0: Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic, a storytelling podcast featuring the amazing people of the Magic the Gathering community. I'm your host Sam Tang. Join me and my guests as we share stories about what MTG means to us, how we got started playing magic, the ups, the downs, the hilarious stories, and everything in between. In this episode, I'm speaking with Frank Stanley, event organizer and judge at Mox Boarding House in Bellevue, Washington. Every week, Frank puts on multiple events at Mox Boarding House where a 100 or so regulars pack the tournament room. Frank cares deeply about the Magic community and is always there to help Magic players experience the game at its best. Frank and I sat down last week for some after-hours fun. We drank a few beers and discussed a wide range of topics with shout-outs for the Seattle Magic community. There's a little bit of adult language, but that's okay because I bleeped him out. I hope you enjoy my ridiculous banter with Frank Stanley. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang. And today I am here with Frank Stanley. Frank, how are you? I am great, Sam. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today.
1: It is a real pleasure. I mean, this has been, I don't want to say a long time coming, but... I know that you and I have been like meaning to do this for a while.
0: Yes, it has been a long time coming. And Frank, could you please introduce yourself to the listening audience?
1: Uh, My name is Frank Stanley. I am the event coordinator slash tournament organizer slash head judge slash all around loud guy at Mock Sporting House in Bellevue, Washington. That's right. Mox Boarding House,
0: also known as the sister store and restaurant of Card Kingdom.
1: Now, Mox Boarding House, Seattle. Uh, we're the second location for Card Kingdom uh, in Bellevue. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride so far. That's right.
0: And Frank, like I do with all of my guests, I just want to start at the beginning. Where did you grow up and how did you find magic?
1: Uh, oh, man. Uh, so I've been actually kind of in the Seattle area my entire life. Um, We moved all over the place, anywhere from like as far as Auburn to uh, Bellevue back and forth, certain spots of Seattle, south to Tacoma, Redmond, uh, all around the area. But right now, home for me is uh, in South Seattle on Beacon Hill. Uh, in terms of magic, uh, um, man, what was the first set to come out? It was probably Fallen Empires. Oh wow, yeah, we're we're going we're going way back. Um, it was Fallen Empires. I was a third grader watching a bunch of kids playing with cards. Uh, the the one card that reminds me the most is Unholy Strength because it had like the the pentagram, the the, <laughs> the, the demonic symbol where everybody's just like this is an evil game, and it was a bunch of people playing it. I was just like, what is that? And they kind of taught me it was a bunch of a bunch of fourth and fifth graders kind of you know throwing around the idea um i got really into it around ice age then quit around homelands because everybody else did kind of went on and off but in terms of like this current cycle uh in, in terms of me like getting back into it making it like a part of my life being competitive and now being where i am today that was probably like the second Meridian block uh I think it was right before New Phyrexia came out mhm yeah and who taught you to play just like the friends like, yeah, at like school yeah like i can't, i could not remember their names uh, <laughs> it, 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 because it was it was a group of them but what i can tell you is when i learned to play magic apparently i learned to play it terribly wrong <laughs> um, because like they it was it was a bunch of made up rules because it was it was you know on the playground uh, like on the dirt ground or a wooden bench and according to them like you play all your lands in one turn or if a creature has vigilance it can attack as many times as it wants but the people that like in, in terms of like actually knowing how to play the game that was probably uh, a game store that doesn't exist anymore in bellevue it was called ludicrous games hmm uh, it was really tucked away Um, A lot of people were kind of happy about it because they sold everything like under like the retail price, but then the owners uh, learned about this wonderful game called EverQuest Hmm. and kind of forgot about everyone else. And now that store no longer exists. So, wow. Yep. So, yeah, a rapper named Ludacris used to own a store in Bellevue,
0: Washington. (laughs) Yeah, uh,
1: (laughs) it it wouldn't surprise me um, if if Ludacris, if Chris Briggs turned out to be uh, like a five foot three woman with brown hair and glasses. Uh, and then loved playing EverQuest. Uh, that's probably how, it, that was probably how it worked out before realizing that I, I need to get into the rap game. So.
0: <laughs> that's our story and we're sticking to it, right, Frank? We're
1: going with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the funny thing
0: is that the origin story that you've told about how you learned how to play Magic was something that I think a lot of my guests have shared, um, or even myself. Early on when I learned how to play Magic the Gathering, we just cobbled together a bunch of random commons. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend who I played with at the time, he would cast dark rituals and instead of putting the dark ritual into his graveyard, it was the old school text. It said mana source. So he would take that and he'd just put it onto the table and he'd tap it whenever he needed three black mana. And I was always wondering why I lost so hard. I no, was like, that, wow. that's this... not how
1: it works. No, oh. no, not at no, all. the card I remember most significantly was a card. It was, it was a blue creature. It's, it's called Zephyr Falcon. It's a blue fly- It's a one one flyer for three. And what would happen was uh, I got What was the kid's name? Um, I, I can't, I can't remember <laughs> (laughs) his name but he would play it his deck probably had like five of them um just just for extra posterity but he would play it and then on the next turn it's just like all right i'm gonna attack you 19 times you're gonna go to one because it had vigilance right because it had vigilance uh because a blue flying creature back then had vigilance and then the entire time it was like he would just play with his food it's just like i'm gonna counter this spell or i'm gonna kill this creature or you're not gonna do anything and then it's just like the point where it's just like okay now i can finally get ahead he's just like attack you for one you're dead Game over. Back to class. Like,
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so I guess I guess Magic is a pretty sweet game because you could either play it with the rules, or you can play it with different rules and different formats, or you can play it without the rules.
1: That was. That, I mean, definitely. I remember teaching. Uh, uh, I remember teaching somebody how to play Magic, and now looking back on it, I, I cannot believe how wrong I was. <laughs> so. Uh, enjoy the kitchen table magic, uh, in, in this sense, and and here's here's a podcast plug. So <laughs>
0: yes, and as long as the rules are in agreement by both players, that's all that matters, right?
1: right? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. make your own format. Uh, but it's it's so weird when you get out of that out of that agreement with other players and realize that I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Uh, that happened to a family that came into mocks a, a couple of weeks back. Uh, but that's that's a story for another time that, that's a weird one that's a weird one and we, don't, we don't have to go into that one because I'm pretty sure I do, I do not need to make this family feel any worse than they did <laughs> that day sorry to that family if you're listening to kitchen table magic with well, Sam Tang well well,
0: <laughs> well I actually had an opponent I was out of pre TQ once and I had an opponent who was a little kid and I didn't notice and you just came up to me and you were like so you know that these cards are not standard legal and, and I was like uh <laughs> I, I'm still crushing but okay
1: uh, the part, the part were you, it was either going to be you bringing this up or me bringing this up. So for everybody that does know magic, uh this kid showed up. He got picked for, it wasn't that he was picked for a deck check, but when somebody was going through the deck list, they noticed his list and it was just like, this thing is way off. Uh, for starters, it was like 84 cards, no sideboard. Uh, and then when I took another look at it, it turns out that he took the, uh, the angelic versus like... Was it the Blessed versus Cursed dual yes, deck? Yes,
0: it was that. Yeah, it
1: was the one just as Shadows over Innistrad was about to come out, but he took the uh, the Blessed versus Cursed dual deck and just shuffled the two decks together. I thought he was playing uh, modern human allies. Yeah. So
0: I actually got a little worried because I was playing Black White Control, and I was like, uh-oh, my Gideons aren't going to be able to handle this.
1: But also, then- modern m- modern Black White Allies or whatever it was is really weird when this is a standard for <laughs> Um Yeah, but I, I set him aside, and I told him that it's just like, look, man... Your deck is really illegal. Like there was no there was no way to get around it. So telling him how illegal it was and I am just like I could fix this deck for you, but if I did that, your deck would be unplayable. All right I, and this was this was like everything short like I couldn't give the kid a, I couldn't give the guy a disqualification he was like 12 years old there's no way I'm gonna do this he feels absolutely terrible or I would feel absolutely terrible about it and then just like having to discuss this entire scenario with his mom but I mean you know the best I could do in this case was I wasn't I normally wouldn't try to influence but it's just the fact that if I were to let this kid continue playing his deck would consist of like out of 86, 84 cards, it would consist of like 46 lands, 46 mm. basics. Mm. So more than half the deck. So, I mean, we, we gave him the refund. We gave him a bunch of boosters. We told him, Hey, you're, you're, you've got free entry into Friday night magic. We'll teach you everything you need to know. And we're, and we're talking to the mom and everything. And then my, uh, Andrew Musicker the manager at the time shows up and gives him a bunch of, a bunch of other product, gives him like a, a, a standard legal event deck, which after the fact we found out wasn't actually standard legal. <laughs> uh, and, and and just be like, look, we're really sorry about this. We'll do everything we can to help you. And I, to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen that kid since. So, oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a really sad story, but I want to feel slightly better about it, knowing that it could the situation could have gone a lot worse. Yeah. And I mean, to be really honest, I mean, to the listening
0: audience here, I mean, I love magic. I try to be as competitive as I can. So, when I sat down and I saw like the 12-year-old, the first thought that came into mind was, oh my goodness, I'm about to get crushed. Yeah. Like, I'm about to get crushed right now. Right. They surprise and, you. Yes. And so, I was actually really excited. I was like, I'm really going to learn something from a kid who plays a lot more magic than me. And then um, when we got to going. I was just like, I-, I I don't check card symbol. I was just playing. I was just like, yeah, okay, sweet creature. I didn't know that was standard legal, but that's cool. That's cool.
1: Like, let's keep going, you know? that. that that creature specifically, if I remember, was a Geist of Saint Draft. So, oh yeah, if I if I recall, oh oh def- yeah, definitely not standard legal. Oh, you
0: know, I you know actually he did not actually cast a Geist of Saint Draft oh, no, against right. me. You're right. Yeah, it was like some other. It was like Doom Traveler. I was oh, like,
1: oh, yeah. I was okay.
0: like, Oh, Doom Traveler is so good. I remember playing this an original in his drag. Yeah. And he was just like original. What? And I was like, cool, cool. This is awesome. Great value. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll block. And it was just like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. But that's funny. So, Frank, tell us, when did you join Card Kingdom and Mox Boarding House?
1: Uh, it was during the actual like hiring process for Mox Boarding House. Um, when I first started going to Card Kingdom as a player, it was during... I can't remember which exactly which set, but I went there to pick up some singles because it was just like I was in the area, figured I'd stop by, and it was during like this old event that they were doing, like Magic Celebration, where you could go in and play in like a free draft. Um, and I went there, and I'm just looking around and seeing so many people having such a great time that I didn't end up going to the place for this. Like I went there for singles and didn't leave and I stayed there. I played in a draft and then they wanted to do another draft. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Uh, and then I had a bunch of friends like blow up my phone. Just like, Hey man, where are you? We're looking to play. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not coming. I'm staying here. (laughs) Uh, And then like, uh, I went to uncle's games in, in Redmond for the longest time because I, my work schedule never allowed me to do Friday night magic and I could never find a place locally like when I lived where I was living to play, but card kingdom had it and I thought they were close enough. They really weren't. It was, it was actually one hell of a drive for me but uh, i went there every time afterward and it was it was great and i i became really good friends with chris ferderer the the judge at the time and the and the event coordinator and at somewhere down the road when i started getting into the other formats like modern and legacy and all this eventually he came to me and a couple other people with card kingdom and it was just like hey we're opening a bellevue location and like without even thinking about it i just kind of snap reacted cool you guys are going to pay me to go there Uh, I was working at Trader Joe's at the time and and I hated it Uh, (laughs) um, and I applied for to work at Mox boarding house and I got accepted and. I guess here I am today. I started as retail Uh, about five or six months into the first thing. Chris had already been uh, an event coordinator for probably going on three years at the time with Card Kingdom. Just decided that it's just like, I think I think I'm done. Um, There's a lot that goes through that thought process to where he's decided that it's just like, I I think I want to do something else. And I knew that at that point there was going to be an opening for event coordinator. And I figured I think I can do this. I think I know enough about magic at the time. I didn't actually know enough about magic. Uh, And then the manager at the time was just like, look, uh, if you can make level one judge, I'll offer you the position. And then for the next for the next month, I just busted my hump, went through every went through everything I could to uh, get my certification, took the test. Chris gave it to me. Uh, I I got it. So, I was an, a, another person on his perfect record of level one judges. And uh, now here we are. Wow. Yeah. I mean,
0: I have to be really honest with you. When I first started playing Magic in the Seattle area, and this was like seven, eight years ago, I rolled up into Card Kingdom for the first time. I really was like very kitchen table, you know, a novice, didn't play a lot of f didn't play a lot of organized play, just kind of made up rules, you know, sometimes. The first time I met Chris... He was just like, "Hello everyone. You know, I'm the I'm the super friendly guy." And obviously that's not what he said, but that was the
1: energy that came out of him. That yeah, just that, radiated out of him. That was always a, a great vibe that came out of him. He was yeah. he was probably I mean, I had that approach to it. And then with Chris, like he is still like when he comes in and still does events every now and then, he is still like one of the most welcoming people to any event. He's super nice. He's super thorough. He explains every single detail that like a new player would want in, in a magic event and he does it like perfect every time. It's the, we all
0: sit down and the clock strikes 6.30 and the judge gets up and introduces himself, introduces everyone in the room and just sets the stage. Just the amount of energy and consistency and thoroughness from someone who had never really been to organized play on the local on the LGS level, I just was like wow this is already
1: something really different right when i took over for him uh i knew that i kind of wanted my to do my best to emulate that but i also knew that i cannot be chris ferderer and everybody knows me as just like this really loud just this really over the top guy uh So like incorporating that into being as welcoming, uh, at first was very difficult and it is still very difficult because, uh, it's, it's very funny for me to take such a formal approach. And I know that in me trying to do that, I am going to sound like a complete idiot. (laughs) Um... So, like, I I took everything that I learned from Chris and I did everything I could to incorporate how I would want to go about it, Uh, which sometimes for some people comes off as a little brash. Uh, It comes off as a little as not even at some points, maybe a little rude, a little abrasive. But everybody knows me as that guy. So, like, there's there's going to be some people that know that that's what to expect with me. And for new people that haven't dealt with me, uh, I will do my best to be courteous and I will do my best to be the nice guy. I will know that sometimes that abrasiveness does come through and I apologize to anybody that experiences that. But I would love for people to just kind of have the best experience that they can. Well, you know, I'm going to be really honest. When
0: uh, Mox first announced that they were going to open, when Card Kingdom first announced that they were opening Mox on the East side, I was like, oh my gosh, this is game changing. And, you know, no one wanted to talk about where the location was, but I lived in Bellevue. So, I drove by this construction site that I was like, oh boy, here it is. I think I know. Like, in my mind, I was like, I kind of knew a year before everyone else. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is probably the place. And then so, I like stared at it for a year. I stared at this construction site for a year and then it turned into Mox and I was
1: like, yes. Uh, I did the exact <laughs> same thing. Uh <laughs> When they talked about moving to the east side and they, they said specifically in Bellevue, I knew it was just like, okay, there's got to be four or five spots where I know what's going to be happening. And three of the places had no construction around them. So... I knew that we could just strike those places out. And then the one spot was just like, it was It was kind of like, there's no way it could be on this road. Uh, there's no way it can be here because if, if, for those that know it's on bell red road in Bellevue, which is surrounded by auto repair shops, the <laughs> department of licensing and absolutely nothing else. It's very much like card kingdom in that surrounded by things that should not be accompanying uh, a, a game store, which is so funny and ironic. Yeah, it's, it's so weird, uh, but it, it works. The parking is still terrible, but it works. <laughs> Uh, you know, and, th- and that was kind of, I think, uh, in knowing John and Damon Morris as well as I do now, I think that was kind of the idea where it's like, you know, with Card Kingdom, you have restaurants that are like two or three blocks away, but you have Cafe Mox as well. So, you know, uh, if you ever were just like, I, I I really like Cafe Mox, but I'm feeling something different. They can walk down the street. Mox Boarding House doesn't offer that. They have the restaurant in-house. Uh, it, it is, they describe it as their destination.
0: That's right. I mean, if you don't find any magic, that you want to play or you don't find any food you can just go get your windows tinted
1: yeah uh, <laughs> you can you can totally go to pink elephant and get a great car wash uh, you know when we first opened mox boarding house one of the craziest things was just like we would get soccer moms and business dads and all these families come in it's just like yeah we're getting our tires changed like a block away we saw this place thought it was a pet boarding house saw a bunch of games came in and they're just like oh you have a restaurant excellent it's noon i'll have a beer and a salad like And then two hours later, they're just like, hey, what's this game? That seems fun. I'll buy that. Oh, my tires are done. I'm going back down the street. That's right. Yeah. That that sequence of events will probably never happen anywhere else in the world.
0: Yeah, that's true. But it happens at Mock's Boarding House. Yeah. And then when Mock's Boarding House was finished with construction, they were doing their opening, and then people started coming in for Friday Night Magic. Chris was the judge there for a little bit and the event coordinator. And then one day, he just was like, I was there for that day. He says... I'm leaving. I'm passing it off and this person is Frank.
1: That was probably one of the that, that day was actually very terrifying for me because the, the best way to describe it is if if you've never been to Mox Boarding House, if you're if you're listening to this from way out in the world and you play Friday Night Magic, there's not a lot of places where your Friday Night Magic will probably be upwards of 80 to 100 players. So this was Probably like the sheer definition of trial by fire. (laughs) Uh, I was never one to like, uh, like I'd I'd helped run events. Like I would, I would gather match slips or I would announce like results to James Lee at uncles, but to suddenly just be like, oh, hey, Frank, you're taking over. Also, here's a 90 person FNM. You'll do great. And then just like have someone walk away. It was probably one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever had. I knew what I was getting into and I knew that I had to learn very quick because like my first event was a week after I got my level one certification. Wow. Oh, it gets worse. I had my first FNM, which was 96 players. Uh, and at the time it was, we just decided to throw two FNMs at the same time where it was standard and modern. The next weekend was the first regional pro tour qualifier in the Northwest region ever and Chris had worked for so long with Casey Hogan the event coordinator at Card Kingdom to get this thing together and suddenly Chris is out and it's not even a grace period it's just like Chris is out Frank you're in oh okay, <laughs> oh, okay. I think I got this. Um, But luckily Casey had most of that figured out because it was really just a matter of card kingdom was running it. They're just using our space. But the week after that, we had another pro tour qualifier. We had another PPTQ and it was the biggest pro tour qualifier to ever happen in, in Washington state. Wow. Um, It was 117 players. Wow. Uh, When you know now that they average around 60. Yeah. And then I immediately had to sanction another one going on at the end of summer. And that one was a hundred, 123 players. Wow. So I broke that record 2 months into my job. Wow. <laughs> uh, and then like everything since is just, it's been all downhill from there in just like the best sense and going into it more and more uh you know getting my L2 which was a very very enlightening experience. Uh, my le- my level two judge certification that's what we're talking about here and then like everything else that's come from this opportunity that was given to me it's been one hell of a wild ride and I could not be any happier about it and Frank so who do you really credit
0: to your being your influences in this journey uh
1: well if you haven't figured it out by now there's there's two main people uh-huh um the first one is chris ferder uh-huh he's my best friend uh, i love the guy to death we have such a wonderful time together we all i like we haven't been hanging out as like, often as i would like but that's because we're both busy and i would love to rectify that but like i learned everything about judging from him he taught me the ropes he kind of led me on the path where i am now he gave me all of the advice he gave me all the motivation and i probably i mean i could not have this job without him Uh, You know, he paved the way for me to do so much more than I thought I was actually capable of when it comes to magic. Like, I credit everything that I have done so far as a judge to him because he was the one that set me in that path. The other person that I would thank for this is probably James Lee. And I don't see him enough anymore to tell him that. And I would love to actually like be able to tell him that. And I, I like every moment I see him since this has happened has been so fleeting and so short that I just don't have that opportunity. He was the first judge, like the first serious judge that I met when I got back into magic and the way like he ran events the way he would counsel people the way he would give rulings and teach people how to be better at magic that's probably where most of how I did this came from him and that's probably a terrible thing to say because if you know James Lee there are times when he is the absolute worst human being when it comes to giving judge rulings (laughs) like I am not afraid to tell somebody when they ask me how a card works to just read the damn card again (laughs) I know that he won't do that anymore but it's it's the best way to describe like my style when it comes to that. And while he didn't teach me anything about being a judge, just watching him work and watching how he did things, uh, was probably my inspiration on in how I do this. Uh, those would be the two like key people, you know, along the way you learn one or two things from so many people, whether it be another player, whether it be, uh, through another, through another judge. And there's so many people that I could, so many names that I could just ring off. Uh, uh, Brad Rutherford. He's one of the best magic players I've ever worked with. Uh, he is also like one of the most stern guys, one of the best people to seek advice and counsel and all those kinds of things. Uh, and I could always consider him to be a great friend. Oh man, it, this is just going to keep going. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's several testing groups. Uh, Paul Blake has been one of the nicest guys. He helped me so much more as a player than he did as a judge. But at the same time, uh, he is so great in giving me advice on my position and what I could do, not necessarily as a judge, but as an event coordinator and where I can see things improving uh, with Mock Sporting House and how we do magic events. See, Frank, this is really interesting to
0: me because for me, listening to you as just, you know, someone who has a podcast that is interviewing people in the community. This is just for me, really organically gone full circle. And I want to tell the audience right now that this was not set up. This was not planned. I actually did not know anything about Frank in this regard. And, you know, for listeners out there, you know, I interviewed Chris in Season 1. I interviewed both James as well as Brad in Season 2. And I'm here in Season 2 with Frank as well. This is something that I did not know at all. And, you know, I, I really have to just share the sentiment also with you, Frank, because me playing Magic for the last 15 years of my life, taking a huge break in the middle of high school and college and being adult and then Moving to Seattle and then starting a new life as an adult and just being like, wow, hey, I have disposable income. I have extra time and I have and I love this game still. And then getting back into it and then knowing no one. And then one of the first people I do meet in terms of the magic community to really engage with me from an organized play standpoint was, was Chris and then Brad down at Shane's and then Paul and Michael Sellers and then you. Like it's been a really big influence. Like I would say right now that like half of the friends that I have in my adult
1: life that I communicate with regularly on a daily basis, are magic players from the Seattle community. Right. And I think that's something that's really special about this community because it's, it's very nebulous. It's like you have a bunch of people, you have tons of players and tons of judges that just kind of all have some part in every other community associated with it. And everybody like there's such a wonderful web of support that everybody provides for one another, whether and it's and it goes well beyond magic at this point. It's not even a matter of like, oh, I need to borrow these singles for a PTQ or, oh, hey, what would you put in this sideboard against this matchup? It's, you know, when you hear people that it's just like, hey, can I have a couch to sleep on for a, for a couple nights yeah. or, hey, do you have a couple bucks so I can grab a bite? Uh, could you give me a ride to this PTQ? Right. Um, You know, magic especially in this community, it feels a lot less like a group of friends and a lot more like a family. When I came back into magic, it was the same situation for me. It's just like, holy crap, I have a job. I can buy as much magic as I want. I can actually build that competitive deck that I wanted to play. And these people were there to, like, just tell me, oh, no, you don't want to build that deck right now. That deck's about to rotate out. You want to build this deck right now. You should try these cards. If you think that's fun, you should try this. Uh, have you ever played here before? No? Meet me here on at noon. We'll drive over and we'll give it a shot. I don't want to take any credit away from, like, other communities. Like, I don't want to feel like we are the only community where this happens. You know, I'm sure that everybody has this kind of story around the world. But with Seattle, it, it feels so... I don't wanna say different, but there's so many other things about it where we can grow outward from it and it could be so much bigger than it actually appears. We have so many different types of players. We have so many different types of competitive levels. I, I mean, hell, we have Watsi in our backyard. We, Wizards of the Coast is 20 minutes away from where we are sitting right now. That's right. Um, they come into my store all the time and they play in our Friday Night Magic. Uh, that's right. Obviously, in that situation, nobody else can say that. I'm not using that as a brag. I'm just saying that, like, there's this very special thing in the community that we have around here that, and again, not a brag, but it's something that we have that nobody else can have. And I think that's really special we
0: always talk about magic in terms of the community. And I I just say that regardless of where you are in the world, the Seattle community is just a little bit bigger. And we just hope that when you do have a slightly larger magic community, you have all the traits that you're talking about. Having a network of people and that critical mass of people to say, hey, can I help you out? Do you need cards to borrow? Can I give you a ride? Things like that.
1: And furthermore, it goes, when you you think, a lot of people, when they just, when they are not a part of the magic community, when they think of it, it's just like they see the memes about the guy making prayers next to people's butt cracks. It's funny where you see people with such like there's so much diversity within the community of itself. Here's another humble brag, not actually meant to be a brag. Hashtag actual brag. I have a Seahawk player that comes and plays in my events. That's right. He was on game nights with Jimmy Wong and Josh Lee, quiet. Mel Lee. And he was also uh, like, we actually had a full blown nightly news story about him coming to uh, Mox Boarding house to play at Cassius Marsh. Uh, he comes into play for a charity tournament and then Doug Baldwin decides to show up and we put them on camera and it's just like, everybody's just like, Holy what's going on there's Seahawks players playing magic what is this yeah it um, was a holy shit moment
0: I was standing there and then someone bumps into me I turn around and it's Doug Baldwin and I go <laughs> what?
1: Right and that was I mean that was the exact same thing that happened to me when it was announced that Cassius was playing uh, round one like I'm standing to the side of the actual tournament room and I look and there's this guy with his hood up and I do a double take because I'm like oh my god that's Doug Baldwin I knew th- <laughs> I knew that he played Magic because somebody told me a story about playing Magic with him but I go up to him and it's just like I, nonchalantly we just shake hands and then I look at him and it's just like dude why aren't you playing in this event and he's just like well you know <laughs> I don't don't know actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Neither did I. But then the match ends. Uh, Brad and Nathan Moore are talking, and then our, our marketing guy, Chris Rollins, comes in, it's just like, hey, Doug and Cassius are playing on Cam right now. Oh, oh my god, we gotta go over to the camera. And it's just like suddenly, like, we jumped from like uh, from like four to five hundred viewers to almost a thousand. Seahawks.com puts it on Twitter, and like everyone's freaking out because there's Seahawks players playing, and we don't know what to do. Like it's on seahawks.com and we're just like, we're just a game store playing magic. I was there and I was just like
0: hanging out and I took a photo because it was packed. Yeah. Like the whole room was packed. I've not seen that many people. It was wall to wall.
1: We only had a very limited space for tournament entry. We only had a hundred spots for that event uh, for people to come in and play. And I'm sitting there checking these people in and these two ladies in like very nice clothing uh, show up and they're like, here, we're here to check in for the event. And I'm just like, okay, and your names, please. And they give me their names and then just like, okay, are you playing standard or modern tonight? And they look at me and it's like, are we what? (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like are you playing in the standard or modern portion of tonight's event and it's just like what and I, I look at them again it's just like well we're, there's two events going on tonight it's standard or modern and then they look at me and just realize I don't know what clicked for them but apparently they figured it out uh, it's just like oh we're not even here to play we don't know what this game is we just wanted to come here and watch the Seahawk oh
0: wow.
1: they bought they bought tickets for something they had no interest in even playing it wow and it's just like okay well thanks Have a seat. Have have a seat. (laughs) Maybe maybe just head over to the restaurant and grab a glass of wine or something. And they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a totally great idea. That's insane. No, it's, 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 yes, it's insane. (laughs) But like going away from the community in this sense, it's like, there are so many things that I could never have expected to happen. There is so much that I have the community itself to thank for the opportunity. Like, I would not be here if it weren't for them. I consider myself to have... The happiest position of all things magic that isn't directly linked to Wizards of the Coast. Mm-hmm. I've thought for a while that like, you know, when people hear, when judges hear that I run Friday Night Magics regularly, reaching 80 players, and they're all just like, oh, oh hell no. We couldn't do that. Um, or they they just look at me and like, you're insane. Uh and I look at it just like it's what I, I, I got nothing. It's what I do. You know, I didn't think anybody was in the same position. And then the one place that I thought was, uh, Madness Games in Plano, Texas, they hollowed out a grocery store. Oh, wow. Their, their F&Ms regularly reach more than a hundred players and they have like I believe their numbers reach in like the 120 to like 180 range. They get wow. tons of players and I was just like, man, uh that's got to be crazy. And then I met uh one of the judges for that location. He was just like, "Oh yeah, but we have a staff of like four judges that also help me run that." And I'm just like, "Man, I do mine alone." And they're just like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" Wow. Yeah. So Uh, apparently I am that guy.
0: (laughs) Um, you are that guy. I mean, I, am I'm at Thursday night modern. I'm at FNM often and there's no problems. Things are smooth. Everything is on time. Everyone gets out at the right time. There's no problems.
1: I will admit that I am not like necessarily like in tune with a lot of the other social media networks and things like that. I do use Twitter. I do use Facebook. I, I do tend to use Reddit, but just not as often as a lot of other people I know do. And a lot of them are like, hey, Mox Sporting House was on Reddit regarding this. And I'm just like, oh, and then I check Magic. I check the Magic TCG Reddit and they're just like, Mock Sporting House, da, 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 da. And I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't even know. And then it's just like 130 comments and all these upvotes. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but great. Like, <laughs> um... People definitely like know because uh, mainly because of the card kingdom brand, but a lot of the other things we've started to do have just gained a lot of traction. Uh, you know, when we started streaming legacy matches on Mondays and modern on Thursdays, like we get these very small groups. We get, you know, we get maybe like 240, 250 to viewers, uh, for each thing for a while. That doesn't feel like a big deal, but then you go to like, a star city event in Las Vegas, or you go to a grand Prix that's outside of Washington. And they see that Mox sporting house play mat, or They see that mock sporting house hoodie. And they're just like, Oh my God, you're with Mox sporting house. I watch your stream all the time. You guys did mo you guys did modern no band list. You guys like, we do that now because of you guys. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's great. It's just like, you know, like I'm a, it's it's me just kind of put in the spotlight, which a lot of the times I'm like comfortable in. but when it's a, with a bunch of people, I don't know all of a sudden, just like waxing ecstatic over what I do, it's a very weird experience for me. That's pretty cool because I got banned off of Reddit.
0: <laughs> I, I, I was posting. I know. <laughs> no, you can laugh about you, it. You, you, okay. Got, yeah, no, I was. Okay. So I broke rule number nine, which is the nine. It was just the which is the one to nine rule of posting about your own stuff. And I, I'm going to be honest. I do not know how to use Reddit. I, I know how to use Facebook really well. I know how to use Twitter really well. And I do apologize to the Magic TCG uh, subreddit for violating that. And I, I feel really bad because that's not that's not my intent at all. But the straw that broke the camel's back was I was posting about the Magic Art Show. I was trying to promote the Magic Art Show and it did get funded. I'm very happy it got funded and it met its stretch goal. So, my my little miniature um, episode with Vorthos Mike, I created a separate episode. I posted it on there and then the admin was like, guess what? You're banned because you keep posting crap about your own sh- and I go I'm so sorry I did not mean to do that. I
1: I've actually that was one of the few things on the Magic TCG subreddit that I was just like, oh, I think I know that one. <laughs> oh, that's and I think that's kind of lame. Like you're just you're just giving credit where credits due. No, it's okay. No, I told but I accept it. I accept
0: my 14d ban. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm such a... Sp- noob right now
0: no but so so yeah but, but probably by the time this is out maybe i'll have like a maybe five more days left on my thing but to talk, <laughs> but anyways uh but no it's it's really wonderful to see that um you know when 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 i guess when the magic reddit is like giving you acknowledgement then that means there's really value because The community is very rigorous about its content. It's very rigorous about what it likes and what it doesn't like. And if it's really valuable and there's real EV there, then people are going to vote that.
1: Yeah. So it has credit, has merit. No, it it totally does. I think like Chris Cornejo is the current event coordinator at at Card Kingdom, now Mock Sporting House Seattle. I remember An idea that we had a while back um it was with the marketing team particularly with justin Treadway, who's one of our graphic designers and he's on the marketing team he's a really great guy uh we had a while like this was excuse me this was probably like this was actually about a year ago um when him and another guy on the marketing team jordan short who's no longer with the company miss him uh Came up with the idea of this weekend sale and we were going to do an event uh, and it was modern no band list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we scrapped the idea because it was the same weekend of Gen Con and a lot of people were just kind of waiting for everything else that was going to come out of that. But I took the idea of, of an event where we just scrapped the entire modern no band list and just like this seems like a really fun idea let me run it by my players and let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it went the magic equivalent of going viral. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say the internet equivalent because obviously that means far worse consequences. Uh, We brought it, I like, we announced the events. We brought up like this really sweet poster that looked like you would see something like, you know, the fight of the century from like boxing where it was just like Ali versus Liston, something like that. And All of a sudden, I'm seeing magic blogs all over the world talk about this. We're just like, this is modern with no band list. What the hell is going on? Like, up is down, left is right. There's a glitch in the matrix. Like... People started freaking out, and then we ran the event, and it was only like 24 people. <laughs> and then, but at the same time, like, people were just like, this is the greatest event we've ever, this is the best Magic we've ever played, this is so much fun. And a lot of other people just, like, kept talking about it. Like, watching, watching everybody just go off, it's just like, uh, you know, some people were just like, this is Magic Christmas, this is modern at its finest, this is how Magic should be played, you know, I want to kill on turn one without my opponent and being able to respond to anything this is awesome i mean i give all of the credit in this case to those guys but you know watching people play this event and watching people talk about it like for on a national scale and then this is the part where it's just like i don't know how to react when other people come to me and saying hey because of you we do this uh the last so this was So this was uh, the Star City Invitational uh, that was supposed to be in Portland. Uh, It was either in Portland or Tacoma, one of the two. But this was also right after they announced that Star City would not be coming to the West Coast anymore. And instead, they were moving the Invitational to Las Vegas. And, you know, there was there was the whole brouhaha about that. And everybody was pissed off and everybody was just like, fuck Star city. Um, don't because Star City is a great company. <laughs> but uh, I remember going to that event and like I showed up with a few decks and I showed up with a couple other things. And this was after they also announced that they were no longer doing like the IQs at Star City events and they were doing like the, the classic, the legacy classic, the modern classic, all these kinds of things. And I signed up for legacy. And I sat down and my very first opponent saw my hoodie. I was wearing a Mock Sporting House hoodie and he was just like holy crap you're Mock Sporting House and I'm just like I mean I'm Frank but yes I I work at (laughs) Mock Sporting House Uh, and they were just like oh my god we watch your stream every week uh, or, and he was talking about Card Kingdom's legacy stream. Modern wasn't doing, we weren't doing modern and Mox yet, but it's just like, we watch your stream every week. Also, we watch you guys do modern, no Band list. That stuff is crazy. And now my store does that every month. And I'm like 100% deer in headlights at this point where it's just like, that's, that that's great. (laughs) Um, and he was just like, yeah, we were looking, we were wondering if we could pick your brain some more about it. And then like at that point we were just like, okay, the match started, I killed him two 0 um, (laughs) uh, and then he was just like, yeah, I would love to talk to you more about this. And it was just like, we sat down like I was, I was on a really degenerate, uh, legacy deck. I think I was on a learn at that time. So I killed him in maybe like 15 minutes. Um, and then we just spent the last 15 minutes. He, Asked probably more questions than I've ever had about anything magic related that were just like, I volunteered to sit down and listen to him. This was somebody talking to me that I've never met, like acting like he knew me. Uh-huh. Um. And I don't mean that like, oh, you don't know me, but it's just like where, you know, I watch you guys all the time. I know what you guys do. Let me pick your brain some. And I'm just like, Great. There was a connectedness. Yeah, we were we were totally connected. Yet I have no idea. I didn't even know the guy's name other than like what I saw on the match slip. And I'm thinking this can't get any weirder. And then the exact same thing happens round two. I'm still wearing my Mox hoodie. I sit down and the guy's just like, "Wait, Mox boarding house. that's that place in Seattle, right?" And it's just like, "Well, Bellevue, but sure." And and then (laughs) he was just like, "Yeah, dude, we watch your Legacy stream every week." And then our store also did Modern No Band List. And I'm just like, "Oh God, this is the Twilight Zone." That guy didn't know me, so it was totally (laughs) fine. Uh, it's just just the amount of reach that we have uh, and the amount of reach that we have as a community and just like through what we can contribute is so mind-blowing to me i did not think i would be anywhere near this position i'm pretty sure you started with a question and we are way off course from that at this point well i'm gonna be honest i don't even know what question i
0: asked but that's okay because our listeners probably know the question i i don't know
1: anyways anyways anyways, (laughs) Ah. I'm cur- we are both currently drinking a session lager. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very tasty. Yeah, very good. Uh, you know that you know under the bottle caps, they have rock, paper, scissors, right? Really? Yeah. Uh, so, oh, we threw them away. Oh, wait, no, they're over there. Oh, we can go get them. Who won?
0: Okay, well, speaking okay. of rock, paper, scissors, you know what I do is I I got those uh, unhinged cards, rock, lobster, have those scissors, <laughs> lizard, and paper tiger. Yep. And then whenever I go to a tournament that's like a GP or something, I bust them out. And instead of doing high roll, I go would you like to go rock, paper, scissors? And if uh, my opponent is cool, which they usually are, they they play along, but if they're an they're gonna go, no, high roll.
1: So the question is, how do you, so do you let them choose and then you choose or do you choose at the same time and reveal at the same time? I let them choose.
0: That way they don't think I'm like cheating or anything sure. like that. You know cuz I'm a gentleman.
1: Yes, of course. No, no, no. I have those two. I never use them enough because I don't play magic. Yep, yeah. <laughs> Phil raised his head over there. If you were going to cheat. That's the only
0: way you could cheat. <laughs> <laughs> if I <laughs> You know what? Cheating at Magic, I think, is really hard. And you know what? No, I'm going to be this on the record here, okay? I wanted to do like a This American Life, like a cheaters episode. And I wanted to get like Alex Bertoncini and Fabrizio and Terry. And I wanted to get like Marcio Carvalho on the show just to be like, okay, so you're all pegged as cheaters. Talk to me. What is that like like?
1: Mike so long that kind of yeah, shit. so the problem with Alex Berton is the pro- is the fact that he's already a douchebag. so <laughs> it's, no, okay. I mean, it's so funny because he was just like he was about to get taken off of his band before he was just like hey guys I'm setting up my own commentary on this magic event you should come listen to me instead of listening to either twitch or star city or whoever it was and then the entire time all he's doing is making fun of the players Aww. like and that extended the band like he is uh, there's there, it's on one hand it's like you can be banned for you know not realizing that you're doing a stupid thing, or you can actually be banned for doing a du- being a douchebag, and that's what Alex Bertoncini is being banned But see, for. here's the thing, okay? Alex Bertoncini, I heard, was a
0: very good magic player, and probably still is. He has a lot of skill, and he just cheats just a little bit, just to get him that extra thing. Right. But, but isn't that also Fabrizio and Terry? I mean, Fabrizio, well, but, but, that guy, Fabrizio won like five GPs or that, something that, like that. And that's
1: the weird thing, because it's just the fact that he got caught mana-weaving. Like, which oh, is one gosh. of the most elementary cheats in the book, it's where like it's the just worst kind of like, cheating. You could be a totally great player. I'm not taking any credit credit away from Burton Cheney. I'm sure he's a great player. I've watched him play, but it's just the fact that like, you know, there's that one thing where it's like you can get that, you know, that lucky top deck, which is, you know, with Alex was never a, a problem or you can, you know, pre board, which is another thing he was caught for, or you can get caught just trying to deflect your opponent, which is probably ultimately what did him in. But with Terry, it's just the fact that you did one of the stupidest tricks in the book said you were doing one of the stupidest tricks in the book got caught doing one of the stupidest tricks in the book for me it's like a feel bad moment because if you were riding the
0: high of like winning like a bajillion gps why don't you just lay low and just be awesome
1: yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that fabrizio is probably an excellent magic player he didn't need to do that i mean and then there's the stupid dqs like when gfat when gerard fabiano was just like yeah i'm pretty sure that guy is using foil cards to cut to cut his deck i can do the same thing look see here's my deck i'm doing it totally fine and just not even realizing that he's just showing <laughs> showing the head judge that he's cheating. It's just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, and then you get the you get the players like uh, Jared Betcher, where you know you're caught. <sighs> when you were when it's just the fact that you were literally caught on camera I can't even remember the other guy that did the same thing because you you know what they were caught cheating for? yeah He just straight up on camera yeah it's just like they were shuffling lands to the top of their opponent's deck yeah Jared Betcher, you know and that's one of the things where it's just like you're never going to know if he was actually a good magic player I have to hate myself a little bit because of him because he was playing ad nauseum and he took ninth place at a pro tour for playing ad nauseum but now it's a matter of okay did he get ninth place because he was stacked his opponent's deck, or did he get ninth place because he's a really good Magic player? I'm never going to know. But you know, last year,
0: during PAX 2016, the World Magic Championships, there was a lot of talk, there was a lot of hate online for Marcio Carvalho about being a cheater. I saw that,
1: and I would have to look back at like the footage for that event, but I mean... Uh, but I think it was like even a lot of things that
0: happened before that really had people being like, okay, this has been happening consistently and now we're seeing a little bit of it here and we're just going to grab our pitchforks and torches. Right.
1: The, and the big thing with Mauricio is just the fact that I, this was during a time when, which I was never actually like observing like his matches. Uh, I did hear a lot of the insight on it and there was a lot of people just kind of like linking to his his game and saying, watch right here. This is where it happens. And I never actually looked on that. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I'm not going to take Take any, I'm not going to take any information away from that. It's definitely something where it's just like, I'm going to have to look at it and make my own opinion. I don't have an opinion on that only because I haven't actually seen it.
0: That's true. And you know what, to be very honest, I'm just a guy with a podcast called kitchen table magic i'm not a pro player but definitely when i look at these players they all kick majors amounts of ass yeah. and like definitely when like brian brown doing when bbd was in the finals against marcio carvalho everyone was hating on marcio and like rooting for bbd and you know i i'm, I'm a big bbd fan so i was rooting he has, for bbd myself well, he one but of the best
1: stories in match
0: that's, I mean, true, that's the does. other thing about him yes like
1: i i remember listening to your podcast and i remember watching him and like so I have a collection of of jars of eyeballs from Dark Ascension. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember my first GP, I went around fearlessly going to every single pro that I could find and saying, hey, can you sign my jar of eyeballs? Mm-hmm. I have an entire binder full of them. Uh, I haven't done it lately just because I've been too busy not going to GPs, and I have most of the pros. Brian Braun doing, I've seen him so many times, and I've forgotten to get his sign because honestly, I know that he is one of the nicest guys in magic. I am just afraid to talk to him. Weirdly, why? I don't know. But it was just the fact that, like, you know, when you hear his story, it was just like, you know, he spent a lot of time sleeping on people's couches. He wanted to make the decision that it's just like, I really got to lose some weight. I'm going to go through that whole MTG fitness thing. And he did an amazing job with it. He was stuck through it. He kept doing, like, everything... Uh, he stuck to his gun so many times and he is so nice, he's so funny, he does everything right. He's like the epitome of a pure magic player. That's who he where, is. And, and it's maybe not so much afraid, just as it is intimidated. Because there is a difference in that sense. Where it's just like, I, I, I want to think that he is so nice and I could go up to him. He's just like, oh, totally sure, man. Yeah, he, come on. you like, you know, he'd bring you in for a bro hug. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know how to react. And I'd probably cry.
0: Well, you know what? Okay. Speaking of crying and BBD. So BBD is the nicest guy after I interviewed him. Yeah. Okay. We did a Skype interview. This was like way back last year. I remember. I shut it off. Yeah. I'm in my house. Yeah. I walk away. My wife is sitting on the couch. I, look, I, I go over to my wife and I was just like, you have no idea the story that BBD just told me. So, I told the story of what BBD told me about, about how he was crashing on couches and he at one point was living out of a garbage bag, a plastic bag, and then the plastic bag got stolen with all of the stuff in it and my wife started crying. Yeah. And I was just like
1: oh my gosh like this is real this is insane yeah because like, you, you could take magic out of that entire equation right? right and like it's still like a life story absolutely Um, you can and you can just plug anything else other than magic into that and you're still going to have that connection to it. You're you're still going to have those feelings. Uh magic in this case is a byproduct of that. And that is such a wonderful like it, it's a terrible thing that happened to him, but it's still just kind of like a wonder a wonderful thing that, you know, it's just it's so relatable. Um it's just a passion that somebody has. And magic right now has become such a passion for people. Uh you know, when you're the biggest card game that's not called poker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't even play with the, f- with the 52 cards of that deck. Right. Um, it's it's such a crazy, surreal experience. This is what Kitchen Table Magic hopes to be, is to mm-hmm. tell that story that's
0: the backstory even beyond the cards. I mean, we don't really talk a lot about Strider. We talk a lot about people and the community mm-hmm. and what is going on right yeah. now. So, Frank, I really appreciate that you shared a lot about the community, but do you have any advice for new players wanting to get into playing Magic the Gathering?
1: Uh, I will admit that I am in a very weird position when it comes to that because we get so many new players coming to Mox. Um, There's one guy in particular that I'm pretty sure out of all of the times that he's come to Mox Boarding House, he's only probably played like two or three games of actual Magic. Really? Yeah, it's really weird. But he, at so he has a deck built. I'm going to say it's not the best deck. It's the framework for a deck, but it's one of those things where it's just like, I don't, I can't afford these cards. What could I buy to improve it? What could like, you know, what progression or what cards can I like work my way into to make this deck better? Instead of asking those questions, uh, he's asking way too many questions about other decks. Like, What if I wanted to get this deck? Uh, What do I do against this deck? What do I mean? How would I, how would I prepare for my matches for this? The best advice I can always give to new players, it's twofold. One, just play the game. You know, you can ask 150 million questions about the game, but you're never going to get any actual experience unless you play it. Uh, And that's something that a lot of new players just kind of have a little bit of difficulty embracing and accepting. The second thing, uh, the second, uh, point that I want to make to new players is, I mean, let's be honest. Magic is competitive. It It is in, in all honesty, it is a difficult game. You are going to lose a lot. I knew that when I went into this game, like I was going to have these cards, they weren't the best, but I knew that I was going to lose a lot before I got any better. And that was when I first started out way back when, uh, when I got back to the situation where it's just like, okay, I have some more money, I can kind of buy the cards I want, I can play the deck I want. That doesn't mean anything. I can buy the best cards that, you know, Magic has to offer, but if I don't play with them, obviously I'm not going to win with them. And that's what happened. Uh, I lost a lot. My record for the first, like, five or six F&Ms was, I mean, if it was five F&Ms, my record was probably 0 and 20, probably with a couple wins in there because of buys. But I'm gonna count them as losses in this case. You have to accept that this game is going to be difficult. And, you know, for the first times, things are not gonna work out the way you want. But, there are, there's a silver lining with that. Uh, as we've talked about, the community here is very welcoming. It's very helpful and they will do what they can to make you a better player. Um, You know, if you lose, don't hesitate to ask questions. Don't hesitate to ask about this play where it's just like, hey, I had this in my hand. What can I, I mean, what could I have done to probably have an advantage or what could I have even done to have win, won this game? You know, and more often than not, like, like me, especially you're going to, I mean, I would, I would be more than willing to help you. You know, that you're going to get that player that is just kind of like, Oh, I don't know. And then they're going to pack their cards and walk away from the table and just tell you good luck in the next round. And you're never going to hear from them again. And those guys are jerks. That's inevitable. You're always going to run into those kinds of players, but with the Seattle community, more often than not, you're going to get that helpful person. That's just like, Hey, next time play this instead of this, uh, know that I'm probably keeping mana up for this, uh, know that I'm probably going to do this on my turn and I know that you can't deal with this. Just know that like there are magic players that are going to be here to help. Uh y- you are going to go through a very rough patch in, you know, in furthering your magic career and you know and your magic play. But we don't sit here to just be like we, we don't sit here to just trample on bad players. I would like to think that the Seattle community is good enough and accepting enough to just be like, we want everybody to foster a competitive environment. We know that this game gets better if everybody has a good game. So that being said, we want to help everybody get better. And Frank, what would you say to players who
0: want to be more connected with the community and maybe are thinking about becoming judges?
1: In terms of judges, like being an L1 judge is really just a good experience to have. Not necessarily because you want to run events at your local store or anything like that, but just so you have a better grasp of the game. Um. Seattle is really lucky in that we have a lot of level two judges. Uh, We have a lot of people that are capable of certifying level one judges, and we have a lot of people that are just willing to help you out. Some of us, I mean, are probably a little bit more stringent than others in terms of certifying judges. And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. I know that for me personally, I'm probably, I draw a little bit more of a hard line because I look at it as a mentality of, you know, am I comfortable with this person running my events in my stead? But you have other people that are just like, uh, I mean, if if you think you're ready, I'll give you your L one. And that's not a bad thing. Um, that's totally fine. Uh, I think that is totally acceptable because anybody can be a level one judge. It's just a matter of the knowledge that you have in the game. And even if you never want to apply yourself, uh, in, in events as a level one judge, it's still a good amount of knowledge to have. So there's no harm in, you know, jumping on the judge center and taking that level one practice exam or going up to, you know, a level two that, you know, and just being like, hey, would you mind testing me for my L1? I don't think there's any harm in that. And I, you know, I respect anybody that comes with that decision. And Frank, I know that you spent a lot of time with really high caliber magic players.
0: (laughs) What advice do you have for players wanting to be more competitive or go pro?
1: So, going pro is a very, very small niche within the magic community. And if you want to go pro, you you have to know that this is not something that you can kind of just say, Hey, I feel like going pro. It's not a nonchalant call. It is something that is just like, if you want to go pro, you're going to be going off the deep end. You need to do this 100%. This is not necessarily a thing where it's just like, I can, you know, Going pro is like a very small niche of the magic community and like it's one of those things where like if you want to do it, you are going to have to commit to it 100%. You're going to have to find a team to test with. You're going to need the availability and you are going to need like the resources available. You're going to need to have access to those top tier decks. This isn't something where it's just like, eh, I'll just show up at this PTQ. I mean, if I don't get it, no big deal. I'll just go up at the next one. No, it's just like you have to be like, I'm going to win this PTQ. I'm going to play it the next one if I don't, and I'm going to play it the one after that. I have to get ready for this RPTQ coming up. And like going Pro is a very difficult commitment. I'm not just trying to discredit anybody from doing that, but you know, we are in a position where like if you have a very stable paying job embrace that because you're going to be making commitments outside of that that are going to be very difficult I admire anybody that wants to sit there and say hey I want to go pro with this there's various articles out there just being like okay if you want to go pro this is what you have to do read them you know get well traveled find yourself going around the world have yourself a schedule that allows you to go to these GPS and allows you to uh, play on a, on a regular high competitive level, have a passport because you're going to need it. It's such like a very small part of the magic experience, which I think is a great part of the experience. Don't get me wrong. It's just like I you know, I always dreamed that I would be on the pro tour, but I knew that it's just like deep in my heart. I'm never going to get there. Uh, one of these days, it would be really cool to just be like, hey, Frank, have a special invite. You're on the pro tour. I know it's never going to happen, but I can dream right. If you want to do it, you can do it. Uh, you just have have to you have to accept the grind and know that you are going to go through a very ambitious part of your magic career and if you want to do that more power to you um you know i was never somebody that wanted to go on the grind i did play my ptqs i did go through my top eights but it was never a part where it's just like yeah i want to do this for a career so uh I, i give credit to anybody out there that wants to do it but that's just not something i can like speak from experience And Frank, what's new for you? What's coming up for you personally, professionally? What's coming up for Mox? Well, I mean, for Mox, like, so now that Mox Boarding House has kind of gone through our rebranding, you know, that in the long run you know that that will speak towards any potential expansion that we have toward the future Uh, for me personally with things that I have going on at the Bellevue location and maybe even the Ballard location I know that with Bellevue we're going to start doing popper tournaments we're going to start carrying the rags to riches tournaments over there because they get a lot of positive feedback and it's something that a lot of people want to have modern no band list that was a great thing to have but like right now it's it's very difficult to positively advertise it through our community it's really great that it's seeing outreach outside of Mock Sporting House, but right now, we are just on such a tight schedule because of a lot of the other things we run as a store. Me, personally, I mean, I made it a goal of myself to go to more Grand Prix. I just recently went to Grand Prix San Antonio and that was the first constructed team Grand Prix. Uh, I think ever, probably not, but uh, if, if you want to go through like the current cycle and how they do things, uh, it was, it was a really sweet experience. And I want to thank a lot of the people that me- I met down there through guiding me through a, a lot of it going forward. I know that, you know, there's Grand Prix Vegas going up. I won't be there, but I'm giving, uh, I'm giving a shout out to a lot of the people that are going to be down there, whether judging or playing. I would you all the best of luck that thing is going to be one hell of a ride because it's not often that you could just be like I'm in one location for three Grand prix. Uh, so, uh, have fun to everybody going down there. I know that I'm going to be applying for other GPs. Uh, we have Portland coming up in the fall. Uh, I think Oklahoma city and I had enough fun out of San Antonio and I'm going to meet a lot of the judges there again that I met, uh, in Texas and we're all going to have a great time playing flipping and rip it, man. Uh, personally, I, you know, there's not a lot like, unfortunately for both my girlfriend, Rachel and I, it's just like, uh, we go through a lot of a work is our life. Uh, you know, with her being the event coordinator for a catering company, it's wedding season. So she's going to be committed to that. Um, for me, uh, personally, I got video games. I got to play.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, it's a lot of whatever we decide on doing right now. We don't have, you know, a whole lot of, of stuff going on. Uh, I've got my birthday coming up next week. I'm going to be 32 and we're all going to get good and meat drunk at a Brazilian steakhouse. Uh, and actually
0: using a little bit of podcast time travel magic, today is Frank's birthday. Oh, hey. hey.
1: hey. Happy Woo-hoo. birthday to
0: me happy birthday and i'll put sound effects in here too
1: oh, there's gonna be like that weird like paper toot toy now i'm gonna put it in <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have party poppers and and music and a kazoo <laughs> you, you can't have a birthday without a kazoo i'm turning 32 so i'm old um but other than that, it's just kind of a lot of staying the course like uh, a lot of people don't realize that as the event coordinator for Mox boarding house, I take care of a lot of events that aren't magic related. Um, a lot of people just see me there, you know, on a Saturday when there's a magic event and they're just like, Frank, what the hell are you doing here? And it's just like my job. And a lot of people don't understand that. It's just like I don't do magic all the time. Sometimes I work on minis. Sometimes I play board games. Sometimes I help people play board games. So uh, and, th- and that's a really great part of my job um, that a lot of people don't understand. And that's why my name tag says sometimes plays magic. But other than that, I mean, not a whole lot. Uh, I would love to probably take a vacation on some time. I know that the girlfriend does want to go back home to Hawaii, and that is something that we are going to work on. Um, Even if it's not Hawaii, we'll go back to other home of the Bay Area and uh, hang out with some friends down there. I don't know. I've never been to the East Coast. I would love to check that out, Uh, or I can finally fulfill my lifelong dream of I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't actually have a lifelong dream in that sense. Maybe, maybe I could start a streaming account. I know that I attempted that at one point and it failed terribly. So who knows what will happen? Um, I'm, I find myself to be a workaholic and when other people ask, it's just like, what do you, what, what's in your future? And I can't say anything outside of, I don't know. Frank, I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I think I'm
0: ready. Okay. Here I, we I, go. I was waiting for
1: this moment. All You're, right, here we are go. Waiting. Okay. Okay.
0: Here we go. Frank, rapid fire question number one. Of the five colors of Magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, what is your favorite color and why?
1: You know, I would be inclined to say blue, but it's funny. It's my favorite color to play, but I have the least amount of success with it. Uh, My favorite color is anything not red. And I've had the most experience, not the most experience, but the most uh, success with it. So I don't want to say red. Um, My favorite color is blue. Mm. but uh if i had to like oh man this question got a lot this the question got really weird (laughs) because you were always saying uh blue ish but not red but it turns out that uh my favorite color is not red we'll go with that how's that sound okay okay (laughs) not red but of the five colors of
0: magic which is your favorite color my favorite color is blue okay and why because it's not
1: red uh it would be not red um (laughs) so i guess that would be blue Uh, it has my favorite cards ever printed, you know, force of will Snapcaster mage days, all those things. Although my favorite card ever printed is not even blue. It's abrupt decay. So we have to go black and green. Uh, but my most successful card is swords to plowshares. I'm going to convolute this as much as possible (laughs) just to let you know, because I just want to let you know that my favorite color is not red.
0: Okay. Okay. You and Aaron Campbell are right in the same boat.
1: I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about this. Like I want to say blue, but I have (laughs) so much success with with other colors.
0: Okay. okay. Sounds good. All right. Frank, question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be?
1: Uh, actually, so listening to your other podcast, this is actually the question that I thought the most about, and it's going to sound really weird because uh, the, the preface to this is I do not think that magic is not fun as is, uh, but my answer would be to make magic more fun. And when I say that, I go on the ends of you look back, maybe like a good 10 to 15 years with some of the events that they came up with. One in particular, the Players' Championship. I'm not even sure if that's the right name, but like Star City has that right now, where the winner of the Players' Championship, or the Invitational next game, uh, like in the winner of the Invitational gets a token designed to them. Well, when remember when Wizards of the Coast had that and the winner had a card designed after oh, them? Oh yeah. Could you imagine some of the cards that would be designed nowadays knowing that it's just like, let's say for example, if Reed Duke won this event, what kind of card would he come up with?
0: I don't know, but it would have to be as powerful as Beddling Mage, Dark Confidant, right. and Snapcaster Mage. Right. I
1: mean, like, let's let's th- take it a step further. What kind of card would Owen Turton wall design? I mean, and above that, what kind of card would Luis Scott Vargas design? My goodness. Right. Exactly. I think we need that back. It's no longer a testament to having this, like, major competitive spirit. Sure, you're going to have competition based out of these, but those kinds of events are just so damn fun. Like... Like you hear about some of the some of the formats that they went with where it's just like they're going to have a bunch of decks on a bulletin board and people have to like people have to vote on which player plays which deck some some of the decks may be terrible but some of the decks may be awesome and then you have to know it's just like this player may want to ha- may hate playing this deck, but they're going to do it and then they're going to win with it. Like I want to see what some of the top pros of the current magic era come. i like, I want to see what cards they design.
0: I've always wanted to play Pro Magic for only one
1: singular reason, and that is to make my own card. Right. And I think that is something that we don't have anymore. When we have, like, Pro Tours should not be just standard. I I disagree with the idea of them being block constructed, but just like have all of these crazy formats that they used to be. Bring that back. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, Frank, rapid fire question number three. If you could give something to every Magic player,
1: what would it be? Uh, um, I, I want to say give everybody a set of power just so they can play vintage. But in reality, I think everybody deserves like an equal shot to potentially play a pro tour. And that's and that sounds really like I I want somebody. I want everybody to have access to like easily have access to like a legacy deck, a vintage deck, uh, a modern deck, like normalizing the prices for these, because I think having, giving everybody like some degree of a competitive spirit and having the ability to say, Hey, I was on the pro tour. I think that would be a great just kind of boon for everybody that wants to aspire to be good at magic. I'm not saying that everybody deserves it because like, you know, you can have some of the shadiest people, and you can have you know you can have a top eight consisting of eight Alex Bertoncinis in this sense, but I think like having the opportunity to travel, having the opportunity to be on camera, having the opportunity to represent your nation for this kind of thing, I think would be just a very eye-opening experience for somebody. Um, You know, you have people that are just like, well, I'm just going to play Magic at my kitchen table with my friends over a pizza and not have a big deal over it. I think that's totally fine. At the same time, I think somebody that wants to be competitive but just does not have the means to you know somebody wanting to win a ptq and then travel across the nation to an rptq and then having the chance to play across the world giving everybody that opportunity would just be a wonderful experience for the game and it's something that i think everybody should deserve if they really want it rapid fire question number four what do you see in the future of Magic the Gathering? I'm going to say that Omniket as a whole, like the, the the set that just came out, as a whole, it felt like the power level of Standard was brought down a bit because of their release of the set, and it's still too early to tell because a lot of people are still on Modo right now, you know, brewing up whatever they can to play with all these new cards. If you were to take this immediate time, it doesn't look good, but that's not the case. I think Magic will always be a wonderful set or a wonderful game, and I think it always has the room to improve and i think amiket will imp- will improve that uh, you know who knows what we could expect an hour of devastation i think with everything that's been going on with wizards r&d you know this was uh, a lesson for them as well uh the players have given their input we know what's expected of us and i think we know that we can make it better and i definitely have faith in them for doing that uh, so right now uh, you know, we'll, we can only see where that goes. I think modern is in a totally fine state. Uh, you know, we can still have 30 different iterations of death shadow. But you know, there's still diversity within the format, regardless of the fact of whether or not Wizard says they don't test for it with a new set. You know, with Legacy, they just ban Sensei's Divining Top, and that brings it back to a sense of normalcy, where we don't have the situation, where we go back to the original situation of there is no best deck in Legacy. Everybody can play what they want. Everybody can have a great time playing the deck that they've spent years working on. So I think the future is very bright for the game. Somewhere down the road, maybe six months months, maybe a year from now, we'll just look back on this and just be like, Hey, it could be a lot worse, but you know, I'm having a good time. We can still play magic. They're always going to put the effort into this. And I think we'll all be happier. And last, Frank, do you have any asks or requests of the listening audience? You know, if you, if you want to put this on a per, on a personal perspective, sure. Uh, my Twitter handle, because that's the only other active uh, social media I'm on, is at it's that Frank guy. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, people constantly get confused with that. Uh, my i guess my advice for everybody listening right now is always find a spot to improve um and uh, like this even applies to myself this applies to this podcast this applies to you know everybody that wants to play magic not even playing magic let's just talk about in life always find a place to improve i know that you know a lot of people listening to this right now and how i'm and how i've been speaking are just like well frank this isn't you as a judge you're you're much more of a hard ass when it comes to things like this and i'm just like yes i know and i'm working on that and i apologize for the people that you know come across that way uh i i know that i am abrasive i know that i can come off as uh you know sometimes a little snide sometimes as a jerk but know that i would love nothing more than for everybody out there magic players non-magic players sports players uh people on the street i want everybody to know uh, like the full potential of what they're capable of in this world. I know that right now uh, there's a lot of people out there having a rough time with things and I know that you are not alone and I know that, you know, you have the networks and you have the people that can help. Uh, I would love uh, just everybody being happy as hard and as potentially unattainable as that can be, but we can all try uh... So, you know, there's the sanctimonious approach of love thy neighbor. There's the, you know, casual approach of don't be a dick. There's just, there's so many ways to look at it. Um, I may come off a lot as a pessimist uh, in certain (laughs) respects, but a lot of the time I want nothing more but to have the people around me and the people that are listening and seeing me to know that you have a lot of potential within you and you have every, opportunity to let that potential out um so for the people that are just like no frank you're just an asshole uh whatever gave you that impression i'm i'm totally sorry uh i i don't understand i mean i understand where that may have come from and i apologize for that um You know, I would love, I would love to sit and chat with people that feel slighted. uh, And I would love to let them know that it's just like you, you have somebody that appreciates you in this world. Uh, So, you know, given the time that we are in, keep your chin up, uh, know that kindness and happiness will always prevail. uh, And... If not, I mean, and if you ever feel down know that there is always somebody there to lend you a helping hand, uh, and if you cannot find anybody, let me know. And I will be glad to do that for you.
0: Frank, I really wanted to take a moment to thank you and also acknowledge you about being the exemplary person that you are in the community because I'm going to be you know, very open here. When I first got back into Magic many years ago and I started playing at Card Kingdom and it was the first time I really played um, in an organized play event and then going to MOX for the first time and then seeing you step up and introduce yourself to everyone You really made the entire room feel welcome and you really made me feel welcome. So to me, it was really like this open door. Like I was finally being invited into the magic community. It really made a difference because for me, it was just like, here's someone who's a judge that's leading the event. And then bringing me into this with all these other players, I really felt welcomed. And I just really wanted to acknowledge you because that meant a lot to me. And that really solidified and anchored myself within the Magic community. And without that feeling and without that trajectory, I would have not have stayed around to meet people like Brad Weatherford or Paul Blake or right. Michael Zellers or Zach Brady. You know, pe- you know, real people in the community that play a lot of Magic and mm-hmm. are really nice and It would not have allowed me to make this podcast.
1: Right. And like a lot of the names that you listed, like they're so great because they are so welcoming. Frank, I really wanted
0: to thank you for joining us today on Kitchen Table Magic and speaking with players and people who are passionate about the community that are all over the world and sharing your story and sharing what you've seen and what you've experienced. So... Thank you, Frank, because you've made a difference in my life and through that, you've actually inspired me to make Kitchen Table Magic and uh, make a difference on the rest of the community. So, thank you, Frank.
1: I remember when you came up to me, this was probably about a year ago at this point. Uh-huh. Damn. Uh, when you were just like, hey, I want to do a podcast and you're just like, it's called Kitchen Table Magic and I've already got these people lined up and I'm going to sit down with them and just do interviews and... Uh, and it's really weird because we're not at your kitchen table. We're not my at my kitchen table right now. We're at your, we're, we're at, uh, we're at James's kitchen table. Uh, like I thought this idea, this was a very noble idea because you know, there were a lot of people at the time at the time that were coming up with these ideas of magic podcasts and there were some that were already out there. And I, I remember the biggest piece of advice that I gave to you was go big. Yeah. Um, And seeing what this podcast has become, and then finally, like... Being on this podcast, like I, I had no idea what to expect coming into this, and I probably still don't know what to expect coming into this podcast <laughs> after I, after I listen to it when it eventually comes out, and I'm just gonna be like, oh god, that's what I sound like on a microphone. <laughs> um, you have done the magic community a wonderful service. Thank you of getting so many voices out there. Uh, Of getting all of these insights of getting people's stories and that's something like, While there are a lot of there's a lot of podcasts out there that are just like talking about decks and strategy. And there isn't a lot of just like these personal podcasts. Uh, And I think this is a very refreshing thing to have Uh, people. You know, they, they would love to hear the latest deck tech. They would love to hear the latest moto meta game. They would love to hear how this card works in this deck, but doesn't work in this deck. Uh, but we don't need that all the time. We just want to talk about, how people have come together through magic. And this is that this is that opportunity. This is that opening. And uh you know, listening to like a lot of the other people you've interviewed. I remember uh I think I think one of the biggest moments of this for me was when you came to me after the fact and it's just like, dude, BBD just won the world championships and I'm going to be his first interview on a podcast (laughs) afterward. I remember that moment and I was just like, holy this is awesome. (laughs) And I'm like, and like the look in your eyes and just like how you lit up about this whole thing. I'm just like, man, I want to say you've made it, but at the same time, I know that you were destined for bigger and better things. And then I showed up on your podcast and it's just (laughs) like, well, maybe not. Um, (laughs) Um, you know, this has been a wonderful experience. This has made me realize things that I didn't even think about in my magic career, in my magic life. Like I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for how things are going to go in the future. I can't wait to hear who else you have lined up because the other thing about this is we are at a very, uh, a very interesting moment in magic. I, I think there is a lot of people that are, there's a lot of up and comers uh, in our local community, in the world community, you know, y- you, didn't hesitate to push some boundaries when you had certain people on this list uh you know uh your travis Wu interview you know right after that happened i remember my my first reaction is just like oh god this is going to just be the most awkward conversation oh
0: yeah no, he was episode number one and i was like wow is my show gonna end Wait, before that it actually, starts
1: that was actually episode one episode one i
0: didn't realize that was episode one yeah i was kind of shaking before i released it and you know what like travis and i were good friends and i was like travis like
1: we're gonna be franker we're gonna talk about some stuff and travis was like i'm nervous too yeah but I remember listening to that and it was just like, this is nice. Like, this is like, this is a breath of fresh air. You know, you, you touched on all the topics and you, you got an insight about, you know, like of the situation at hand. But at the same time, you know, Travis is, is still a human being. He still has these other things to go on about. And that was a wonderful interview. And thank you. And, you know, leading up to me, this is where you've become it. This is where you've got to at this point. You know, the idea was talk to Mero, talk to Hagen, talk to BBD. The sky's the limit for you. Uh, and I really am excited to hear who you have lined up. Well, we've got someone really big coming
0: up for the season finale. So, yes. Oh, I, yes, okay. definitely. Don't
1: worry, I, I won't spoil anything because I don't <laughs> even know either. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I I had a wonderful time, Sam. This is this was been excellent. Remember, uh, if you want to follow my hopeless ramblings or occasionally when I say something stupid, because I do that a lot, uh, my Twitter is at it's that Frank guy. My Instagram is the same thing where I'm just going to post uh, ridiculous date pictures of my girlfriend and I going to whatever really ridiculous restaurant we can come up with. Um, or it's just going to be me drinking unicorn frappuccinos because that's what i do Uh, even though those aren't sold out anymore but that's why you get the dragon frappuccinos if you didn't know okay Uh, it's a it's a green tea matcha frappuccino with berry swirl i'm just going to say that Uh, (laughs) that's about it actually um i don't do much else for social media i don't have a snapchat which apparently is like the best thing to ever happen to me we're old millennials not young millennials so oh, we don't use snapchat i don't like labels <laughs> we're old people yeah um other than that, I mean, it's Mox Boarding House. If you, if you know about that and you're in the area, uh, we have Modern and Standard, or no, we have Modern and Legacy on Thursdays at 6.30 for Modern and 7 o'clock for Legacy. Our Friday nights are now at 6.30. That's going to be uh, Modern and Standard. Our drafts are on Sunday at 3.30. We're probably going to bump that to an earlier time. We're trying the Cat League this time around. As for other events, man, what do we have coming
0: up? There's Legacy at Card Kingdom on monday nights at twitch.tv slash card kingdom yeah
1: uh and then we have modern on thursday nights that's also a twitch.tv slash card kingdom man oh we didn't even talk about like some of these other events uh no we didn't we got lazy and we didn't <laughs> we really, it was just it was a lot of me rambling on so uh uh let's see here i mean every month we have the legacy preservation series yep uh which is always streamed the next one is on may 7th although that was two days ago because i know that this is on may <laughs> (laughs) It's coming out on May (laughs) 9th. We just completed our previous legacy preservation series on May seventh. The next one's going to be at Mox Sporting House Seattle uh, sometime in June. We're leading up to the Invitational. Uh, that's a pretty sweet event. Uh, at the end of it, we're going to send somebody to the Legacy event of Eternal Weekend. Uh, we're always trying to improve on that. On Sunday, May twenty eighth, uh, Mox Sporting House is finally trying out, or Mox Sporting House Bellevue, I should say, because remember we rebranded. Uh, that was the thing. We're trying our Popper tournament out. Uh, uh, we're going to bring rags to riches to Bellevue. That's going to be on the east side. That's May 28th. That's a Sunday. The prizes include Liliana the veil, vale, Mox Opal, Damnation, Grove of the Burnwheels. That's subject to change because modern masters came out and well, those cards could get more or less expensive. We could figure that out. And if nothing else, I'll jam EDH with you. I have a standard deck. Finally, that's the weirdest thing to say. Um, it, wow. Standard really right. It yeah. A cat combo, right. No, not anymore. You f- I know Uh, that deck was terrible. Anyway, Uh, no, I'm playing Simic crush. Shout out to Max Perlmutter because he wants that deck apparently to be good Uh, as as he lovingly calls it. uh, It that deck is showcased by his band. My tentacle romance. Uh, Awkward. I know, right? (laughs) Well, if you think that's awkward, the name of the deck is welcome to the dank parade. Um, So uh, apparently on moto, he he's obliterating the field, but I can't win a game to save my life, but that's also because I'm terrible at actual magic. Um, that's about it like Mox boarding house is busy. Uh, we have, we have, uh, a lot going on because it goes obviously well beyond magic. Um, you know, minis, board games. Oh, actually I should talk about this. Uh, for those of you that are listening, uh, we have our yearly charity event, the gauntlet that is going on on the third Sunday of May. I believe that's the 21st. I could be wrong just let me check that uh but anyway it is a massive charity tournament this year our charitable organization is treehouse Uh, where we offer support to homeless youth in the Seattle area Uh, we are having various gaming teams from all over the area that includes uh, that includes uh, several teams from the past valve wizards of the coast uh, monolith games all sorts of people like that Uh, they're going to be competing in a board gaming competition uh, for a literal steel gauntlet wow that is the prize Uh, we have two gauntlets we have the left and the right gauntlet wow Uh, the left gauntlet I believe stays with the company and then we engrave the name of the winning team on the uh, trophy for the right gauntlet and that goes with them last year was wizard of the coast and they're bringing two teams this year. So uh, the competition's hot. Wow. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, it's a really fun competition. Like they have a wonderful time. We've raised so, I mean, we've raised money for uh, upwards of $100,000, if not more. It started out as a really small uh, event where it was just like, hey, let's see how much money we can raise to, uh, to child's play. And then we were just like $50,000 in like a matter of weeks.
0: That's insane. Well, you know, I'm going to have all the links at kitchentablemagic.org. I think it's May something, but you know, I don't know. I'm just going to put the link on there. Sure. Yeah, so, I can't remember either. Uh, so check it out on uh, kitchentablemagic.org. We will have all of the links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Frank, Stanley, my friend, thank you so much for joining me today. You've really made an impact and I'm I'm really happy that you're here.
1: Thank you finally <laughs> for for uh, l- l- I should thank both of us I'm not even gonna thank myself
0: <laughs> I should thank both of us
1: thank you so much Sam for finally having me here for this interview <laughs> at kitchen dot, dot org org com <laughs> gov it was a long time coming follow me on twitter <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Frank Stanley. Special thanks to Rachel for making delicious snacks for us. Also, special thanks to my best friend Phil for hosting us. You'll find Frank Stanley in person at Mox Boarding House in Bellevue, Washington, each week running events. You'll also find Frank on Twitter at It's That Frank Guy. I'll have links for the Gauntlet Charity event that's being hosted at Mox Boarding House on Sunday, May 21st, all at kitchentablemagic.org. I also want to take a moment to acknowledge everyone in the Seattle Magic community. Just like Frank there, you've been there for us in so many ways. It's shaped my life for the better and I'm truly grateful. I also want to thank the greater Magic community for generously welcoming this humble little podcast into your lives. The messages I receive in emails, on Facebook, and on Twitter are so uplifting. Thank you so much everyone for joining in on our ridiculousness and thank you for listening. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic was brought to you by Paragon City Games. The Kitchen Table Magic podcast has been all about the origins of the game and members of the community. And as a community, we've come a long way since the game first started. Apart from the kitchen table, the only other places in your local community to play Magic are at local game stores. And that's why places like Paragon City Games is so important for our community. At Paragon City Games, you'll find a spacious and clean showroom with lots of elbow room for Magic events. You'll find thoughtful accessories like die-hard metal dice and handcrafted wooden boxes. You'll find a huge supply of legacy, modern, and standard staples, sealed product, and tabletop games. It's places like Paragon City Games that allow local communities to gather in. And if you can't make it there in person, please be sure to watch their weekly stream at twitch.tv/paragoncitygames. Remember to spread the love with a like on Facebook and a follow on Twitter for Paragon City Games. They also have great online reviews, and that shows their commitment to excellent customer service for their player community. Thanks everybody for listening to this week's show. As Frank and I talked about in the interview, there's going to be some very interesting guests coming up in the remainder of Season 2 of Kitchen Table Magic. And remember, our Patreon supporters at the $6 level get special gifts from my interviews. For the season finale, I'm going to be sending out a gift to each of my $6 Patreon supporters. And trust me, you're going to want that gift that I'm planning on sending out. Also, listeners, if you heard my interview from the creator of The Deck, Brian Weissman, from last week, I have a little gift to share with you as well. For all new $6 supporters on Patreon this week, I have a signed Sarah Angel by Brian Weissman. And it's not just any old Sarah Angels. These Sarah Angels have been sitting in my collection for over 20 years. And just recently, I got Brian to sign them for me. So if you're thinking about supporting Kitchen Table Magic on Patreon, now would be a great time. Hurry, because supplies are limited. Listeners, to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash kitchentablemagic and become a supporter. For just a few bucks a month, you'll get access to extra audio content, behind-the-scenes show notes, and special gifts from my interviews. And you'll be able to connect with me, Sam, directly about the show and my guests. I want to take this moment to thank all of my Patreon supporters, Brian, James, Marcus, Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, and Mark for your generous support. You are all so awesome and you keep Kitchen Table Magic going. Thanks to everyone tuning into this week's show. I'm always here to connect with you and answer your questions. Email me, sam at kitchentablemagic.org. Like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash kitchentablemagicpodcast. Follow me on Twitter at podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and mtgcast.com. Coming up in the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic, We all came back, I think like a week later, and we had all built a deck. And we're like, all right, let's sit down and play. And from there it just just was like a deep dive for me personally just into magic again that was right when journey into nyx came out and i was like i'm going to the pre-release i'm listening to limited resources i am just going ham and i loved all their content and josh also listened to limited resources too and we were like hey you ever want to you ever think about doing something like a podcast i think it was josh's idea and uh i was like it sounds like a cool idea i've always wanted to podcast i like the idea of doing it obviously i'm still doing it right now with you And we sat down, we scripted out a bunch of episodes and recorded a bunch and listened to it and we're like, that is not good enough to release (laughs) and kept recording until we got to a place where we thought we were solid and then jumped off from there. I'm talking to Jimmy Wong, actor, musician, YouTube personality, host of Feast of Fiction and The Command Zone with Josh Lee Kwai. Jimmy co-starred in the hit YouTube series Video Game High School and is an avid magic player. Join me and Jimmy as we talk about his life and creative endeavors all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic.